Hi, this is Yara Stark, and welcome to the Entrepreneur's Journey podcast. Today's interview guest is possibly the most influential internet marketer I've ever personally had a connection with, and certainly the internet marketer who very, very early on in my career had an influence over me. His name is Perry Marshall, and you probably already know him from his uh, Google AdWords guide, the definitive guide to Google AdWords, but he's actually a very well-established direct marketer and uh, is certainly one of the, uh, well, original people I know of. Like I said, he was the most influential early on in my career, and if you ever got into anything to do with pay-per-click marketing, you touched on Perry's work. It's definitely considered uh, some of the you know fundamental training in that area. So in this interview, Perry's going to talk about all kinds of aspects of his business and what he does. So there's great stuff to learn and, of course, learn a bit more about Perry and his background. So I hope you enjoy the call. If you have not listened to uh, my podcast before, please make sure you head to my blog where you can find the archive of my previous shows. And I have plenty of free podcasts with interviews with experts in the internet marketing, entrepreneurship, and business industries. To find out, to, to find those, just go to entrepreneurs-journey.com or go to Google and search my name, which is Yarrow, Y-A-R-O, and you will find my blog as a top result there. If you just click the podcast link when you get to my blog, you'll find an archive of all my free podcasts available 24 hours a day, and there's lots of great value there for you to dive into. I hope you enjoyed this call with Perry. That's it for me. Bye-bye. Hi, this is Yara Stark here, and I have a very special guest with me on the line. And why it's very special, and we'll have to talk about this in a moment, but uh, my guest was actually the person who produced the very first affiliate product I ever promoted on my blog. Uh, there's a story behind that, but uh, let's dive into this first. So uh, my guest is Perry Marshall. Thank you for joining me, Perry. Thank you. It's good to be here. So yeah, Perry, uh, you, you probably don't realize this, but back when my blog was in its first six months, its infancy of life, uh, I had reached a point where I had about 500 visitors a day, and I'd seen a lot of other people making money from uh, you know blogging, and you know I'd made money from websites prior to that, and I knew uh, how awesome affiliate marketing could be and uh, I was very much exposed to your work around that time with the uh, you know um, definitive guide to Google AdWords and what you were teaching with your AdWords e-course so that was the uh, actually you know the first offer I did was your combined uh, Renaissance Club offer mm. and I wrote a little review when you were you know, giving away those CDs with uh, Ken McCarthy and so forth and uh, I wrote a little review expecting you know, 500 readers, maybe a 10% conversion rate. I might sell or maybe even 25 to 50 copies and went to bed after posting this uh, little blog post and I woke up to uh, no sales and I was a little bit bummed about that. Uh, it, it it was a lesson. Uh, nothing, of course, wrong with your product. I did go on to sell um, some copies of it, but uh, the lesson there was um, blogging wasn't quite as an immediate response tool as... Uh, uh, email and, and other methods, but you know, over the course of the next few months, the sales kept coming in. And in fact, uh, later that year, I think you ran one of your events, one of the rare events that you've actually, um, you know, controlled. And I had a couple of seven hundred dollar affiliate sales, and that really blew me away. Mm. So, um, 
you have definitely been instrumental in my my path as a a, a blogger making money but obviously that's not uh the reason why you're here on the call perry i'd like to get to know a little bit more about you and your background so uh you know you've got a quite a a well-known story for as you call it um being a cubicle slave so can you explain uh how you what you used to be and where you are now well um i i started out getting an engineering education um and the reason i did that was because i was an audio geek and I knew that I knew how to build stereo equipment, but I only knew it as a craft. I didn't really know it from the bottom up. And uh, and so I actually went to engineering school because I wanted to to figure all that out. Um, and I got out and I, I designed speakers for a couple years. And uh, and and I then I did. Uh, I was a rep for a while and uh, uh, went into sales and marketing and. Um, and so there was quite a long period of time where I was just slogging it out, making cold calls and all this kind of stuff. And, you know, I'm a pretty determined guy and, you know, sometimes, uh, you you can bring all the determination in the world to something and just end up exasperated. I, I think I probably came close to giving myself a nervous breakdown or something. And, um... And uh, I, I got fired from a job, um, and then uh, and, and then um, I, I switched jobs. And in the meanwhile, kind of while all this turmoil was going on, I discovered direct marketing, uh, and I and I w- wondered, well, you know, how well could this really work if I could find the right situation? Um, you know, maybe I could generate sales leads and use my writing skills and stuff, and I wouldn't have to live like this anymore. And, and I switched jobs, and it was kind of similar to the earlier job that I had, except they were using the Internet um, to collect sales leads, and it was working. And it was like this night and day transition. And it w- I went from chasing people around all the time to basically being a consultative sales guy. Um, and uh, in, in hindsight, it's sort of like, I I sort of accidentally discovered how Generation X and Generation Y wants to be marketed to, which is not how baby boomers uh, wanted to do things, um, which is a lot less pressure. The customer has a lot more control of the situation. It's a lot more information-driven, a lot more value-driven, a lot less hard sell. And, uh, and so uh, and it started to work, and it was – like coming to work every day and having an email box with sales leads that I could email the people back and start talking to them and talk to them on the phone. And people would, I'd talk to people on the phone and they'd go, so do you ever get to Cleveland, Ohio? Is there any way you could like stop by and, and talk to us about this? Like nobody ever did that before. <laughs> and, uh, and so, so like that, that really worked out well and the company grew and it was a successful sales career. Um, and then, uh, and, and I really d- dug into the marketing side of it. I saw a huge amount of power. It's like, okay, the more customers we put in the top of this funnel, um, the better this works. And so I got really good at, at generating sales leads and doing publicity and writing magazine articles and stuff. And then the company got sold in 2001 and 
my I guess some stock options, which which gave me some cash uh, for a while, and uh, and my wife said, "Well, Perry, you've always wanted to do your own thing. This is your chance. This is it." And she convinced me, so I went out on my own, um, and I just started really doing as a freelancer what I had already been doing uh, in the Dilbert Cube. So it it wasn't that rough of a transition. It was it was fairly smooth, really. You know, Perry, I, I find it interesting that you were one of the first people I came across who had such a tightly defined positioning in the internet marketing world and were clearly dominating a niche like no one else was. And that's with, uh, you know, pay-per-click marketing, particularly mm. through Google AdWords. Now, right. I'm, I'm curious, because um, for me, there's a bit of a gap in awareness of, you know, you were consulting, I guess, doing what you have been doing with direct marketing for a company as an employee, and then you turned into, a, I guess, a consultant. But then you started turning more to be an information publisher, at least from the sense of using that to generate leads, and then you started doing, I guess, um, you know, group coaching and things like that. I mean, you have, a, am sure, a very extensive uh, sales funnel of multiple products, but can you tell us how, I guess, the idea to position yourself as a pay-per-click expert came about and, and how you even managed to do that? Well, um, I, I knew how to position myself as an expert by being an information source from my prior life at the former company. We sold industrial networks, and, and I started publishing magazine articles and white papers and all kinds of stuff like that, like a banshee, until there, there was so much stuff written by me like I was probably in that whole industry, I was probably the second most quoted person. There was this one other guy who was a consultant who was probably quoted more than me. But you know that was pretty good for a guy who's like, you know, part outside sales, part inside sales, part marketing manager. You know. But it, so I knew I knew how to do that, um, and you know it's like okay, take all this technical, complicated information break it down into simple bite-sized pieces and make it interesting, right? Mm -hmm. So that's kind of the formula. Well, so so I start using pay-per-click and I thought I thought Google AdWords was just absolutely fabulous. I mean, I thought it was the most amazing thing I'd ever seen and I and I figured it out and it, and for a year it was like my secret. Like I didn't want to tell anybody about it cuz it was so cool and nobody understood it. Everybody's over using Yahoo Overture, and it's like, man, this is where the real game is. But you know, the faster everybody finds out, you know, that that would be bad. But then uh, Ken Ken McCarthy knew that I was doing this, and we had some conversations. And at one point, he goes, Perry, I need somebody to uh, to speak at my seminar. Who should I get? And I said, you should get Google, uh, Andrew Goodman. Because uh, he had like the first pay-per-click book, and it was a good one too. Um, and so he goes and talks to Andrew, and Andrew turned him down. And Ken comes back to me, and he goes, "Well, Perry, I think you should speak at my seminar." Well, I immediately knew what that meant. That meant that okay, I got to have a book, I got to have CDs, I got to have something to sell at a seminar. If I'm going to go to the trouble of doing all that, then I also need to sell it online and and I need to jump into the fray. Um, and 
Um, and there's like a new AdWords ebook coming out every other day, like literally. <laughs> um, like that's not an exaggeration. That's what it was like back then. Um, and like, so I've got to, I've got to have a better sales funnel than all those other guys. Uh, and I, you know, I already had a pretty extensive marketing background. Um, I was, uh, I was in Dan Kennedy's VIP group. I'd been reading his newsletters for about six years at the time, probably. Uh, I'd been involved in a lot of things. I, I had a lot of street experience and the thing was, now I, I didn't exactly, like at the very beginning, I didn't really exactly set up to be like, position myself as the world's pay-per-click expert. However, um, what, what I did understand that I had to do, I, I thought this was going to last for six months. And then the internet would go into some next new fad. Or... Uh, all the free ebooks would drown out everybody who's trying to sell one. Or I just I didn't I had no idea that it was going to get as big as it did, or or have the longevity that it's had. So here's here's all I knew. All I knew was I got to have a higher visitor value than everybody else. Uh, uh, and if you want to put it another way, affiliates have to make more money sending traffic to my book than anybody else's book. That's the name of the game. So that's what I'm going to do. So I'm going to have all the copywriters that I can find rip my sales letter to shreds and tell me how to fix it. And I got to have more testimonials than anybody else. And I got to instead of just trying to sell a book, I'm going to I'm going to get opt-ins and I'm going to build a big list. Um, and I'm going to nurture. And I think this is the most important part. I am going to nurture that list by feeding them and feeding them and feeding them with really good stuff. I'm not just going to burn them out with a bunch of promos. Um, and you know what? That ended up being a winning strategy. And so, like, so that makes me known as the Google AdWords guy, but what I really am is I'm, of all the AdWords guys, I was a guy that knew how to build the best sales funnel. Hmm. Um, and, and so, and that's, that's how I became, you know, known as the Google AdWords guy, which, you know, that's a pretty, that's a pretty good hat to wear in the world, turns out. Um, and, uh, you know, and I'm blessed. I'm, I'm very thankful for having had the opportunity to do that. Um, and then I think it, it comes with a responsibility, which is, you know, there's all kinds of people that, you know, whether they woke up yesterday and they decided they want to go to a business or where they have an ongoing business and they got to figure out how to get customers on the Internet, if I tell them that I can teach them how to use Google AdWords, then I better do that to my, the best of my ability. And I want my customers to be successful because, you know, the world's a pretty brutal place out there. And there's a lot of people that um, go, um, they do a lot of disappointing things and things that don't work. And, you know, I remember what was that was like. I remember drinking pink Kool-Aid and believing the snake oil salesman and doing all kinds of stupid stuff that never really worked. And I remember all 
of the uh, weird psychological tactics they would use to make me think it was my fault that their system didn't work. <laughs> and uh, and which is really, I mean, good grief. You know, that's that, that could be a whole two-hour conversation. Right, so, so um, really, there was a bit of wanting to, to buck the trend and stand out through quality. Uh, yeah. And stand out through, obviously, a, a funnel where your affiliates get paid well and they have the, a really high converting product, so they're more inclined to promote your book. So I think affiliates have a lot to uh, you know, give a credit in terms of spreading oh. your book far and wide. Well, oh, absolutely. And it, 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 yeah, affiliates had more to do with it than anything, especially at first. Now, in my opinion, there's two parts of the equation. The one part of the equation is the ability to convert a visitor to a customer. It's the basic visitor value equation. The other one, though, is the quality reputation. Ultimately, if, if the definitive guide to Google AdWords had not been a really good, really thorough book that people could understand and use and, and that they enjoyed reading and, and enjoyed applying, if it had not been that, eventually somebody else would have taken over. Hmm. Um, in the long run, the product really has to be quality because, look, on the Internet, if somebody buys a product and it's crap, it ain't that hard to go tell everybody. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's for sure. It's like you a, know? a great feedback mechanism. You, you cannot hide really bad quality. I mean, you can hide some bad quality or you can hide the fact that, you know, some customers this is really isn't a match for, but, you know, if it's a crappy product, the world's going to know. So, you know, there, there really needs to be substance. And, uh, and I think, um, you know, a lot of people talk about information marketing all like having an info business is the ideal business. It's the perfect business because it's got you know, zero delivery cost of the product. It could be electronic and, and, and high profit margins and all this kind of stuff, yada, yada, yada. Okay, that, that's all sort of true and everything, but I really don't believe you should be an info marketer unless you have something worthwhile to say. You know? And, and, and that, um, I that, think there's a responsibility there. Which leads me to a next question, but before I do that, I've just got a little personal curiosity. You don't have to answer this if it's, if it's too personal, but how many copies of the Definitive Guide do you think you've sold now over the, the several years that it's been available? Um, tens of thousands. Okay. Um, I don't know the exact number, and, and I would probably be reluctant to tell you what it is anyway, <laughs> but... But yeah, ten, tens of thousands, and um, and a lot of people think that oh well, well that's that's the dream business. You just sell tens of thousands of copies of some ebook. But get it, gotta just recognize a couple things, which is there's a pretty high customer acquisition cost for that book. You know, we pay affiliates half that money. And uh, and if we if we get the if if we have to buy those customers through Google traffic or some other source, it costs a similar amount of money. Um, and the real the real uh, business is in what happens after that. Hmm. You know, like the Renaissance Club membership or the coaching programs or things like that. And I think if you're if you're going to do an info business, there needs to be a ladder. You know, everybody who goes to college knows they start out as a freshman 
and eventually they become a senior, and then there's graduate school, you know, there's a master's degree, and there's a PhD, and they all know that that ladder is there, okay? And, uh, you know, I'm sure a lot of universities, if you took away their graduate programs and, and all they had was, you know, bachelor's degrees, there would be an awful lot of money and an awful lot of benefit that would never get realized from that university because those higher levels are really important. Mm. Even, even if they're not the largest numbers of students, you know, there's all these other factors like research grants and, you know, and yeah. prestige and, and the ability to attract good faculty. You know, uh, if, if you're a college professor, you probably want to go teach at a school that has a graduate program, not one that doesn't. You know, so there, there's a lot that goes into it, and so there should be a path. Yeah, the, the back end at university. I, I hadn't considered that. That's interesting. Yeah, um, <laughs> Universities have back end. Yeah. <laughs> uh, one of the things, Perry, again, that sort of defined you, and I'm sure this has been a very conscious choice because you just mentioned the fact about you don't want to. Uh, beat your list with promotion after promotion, but you must be and must ha consistently be bombarded by you know joint venture opportunities and affiliates trying to you know, people trying to get you to be their affiliate, especially because oh, yeah. you exist in the internet marketing world and you have you know massive exposure and everyone knows you know, how big your list would be, et cetera, et cetera. But you stayed pretty true to your core uh, value proposition there, where you're delivering content. Um, obviously the thing you promote the most is your own internal products and you've sort of shunned away. I think that I was a bit, uh, like, obviously it's not a bad thing, but you actually promoted um, Pay-Per-Click Classroom uh, last year and I was like, wow, I think that's the first time I've ever seen Perry or received an email where he promoted an external product that wasn't like a pure joint venture where you might have been partnering with them somehow. So uh, but there's, a, there's a story behind that, <laughs> okay, well. which, which I can tell you. Go ahead. Um, but, but let me address the first part of your question. Sure. Is yes, I I have everybody um, relentlessly pursuing me. You know, even the the best, highest profile people in the whole business. You know, they the, the all they all want me to promote stuff to my list. Um, and I'm, I am very selective, um, very, I'm very choosy. Um, and, you know, some of it is like if, if, if there's something about it that I just don't like, I won't do it. Uh, it, it could be that simple. Um, I think actually the, the willingness to walk away from money is one of the most important things about making money. Um, uh, you know, quality means not being a whore. <laughs> you know, and it, it's true in the world of, you know, sex, and, and it is true in the world of, of business, too. Uh, and it doesn't mean that, that just because I don't promote something mean it's, it's bad. By any means, but no. Uh, but but here's a perfect example. With with, and I've actually never told this story before. So this is this is a good one. Paperclip classroom. I knew Amit Meta because he was in my roundtable for a little while. He came to one of my four man intensives. I was very impressed with him. Very sharp guy. 
He clearly knew a lot more about affiliate marketing than I did. Um, he, you know, he he'd learned from my Google stuff and then turbo applied it multiple ways, multiple, you know, he had this fabulous track record. And so then I run into him a few months ago and he says, Hey, you know, I got this thing I'm promoting. Um, and it's called pay-per-click classroom. And, and, and I'd love to have you promote it. And I'm like, well, you know, I like, I mean, I like what he knows. He's very knowledgeable. I like his approach. So sure. Except I didn't have time to evaluate his product. Um, like I just didn't, I, I could only go off the fact that I, I knew, uh, I knew him, uh, and, and his approach. And also I really don't like the big, huge launches. I noticed that. <laughs> I just don't like them. Um, you know, nothing against people that do them, but, um, it's just, I don't know. I can't, I can't even totally explain why it's just so, so it actually it turned, I didn't really realize at the time, Oh, this is going to be a big giant launch. And I also didn't know that before it was all said and done, he was going to have recruited like everybody, you know? So I'm like, I'm just one guy among many, many, which I do not. That's one of the things I don't like about it is if I'm promoting the same thing as everybody else, then what value am I adding? to somebody's email box. Hmm. So what I did was um, I posted a video where I talked about a variety of things, including Amit, and then it was not obvious until after you were already through the video that I was talking about Amit's product. Uh, so only those people would even know that I was promoting his thing. And again, I'm cautious because I haven't really seen his product. I'm taking a risk, and that is risky. Um, and and so and and I only promoted this to a certain part of my list anyway. And so so just really a fairly small number of really interested people end up going to Amit's site. Okay, and. Um, and and it sold well, and and you know the affiliate commissions were good and everything. But but then, you know, uh, with all these customers coming in, they had some customer service problems, and I got a few complaints. And for a little while, for a little while, I was really nervous that I had made a mistake. You know, like well, I'm glad I didn't like promote this to everybody. Mm. Uh, but th they straightened them out, and they squared it away, and everything's fine. You know, so so that's cool. Um, but uh, you know what what I have found, and I think this is true uh, across the board. If 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 you have a real relationship with your list, like they really know you, um, and they they can sense the personality, and they understand what you're about, what you're for, and what you're not for, then. What you sell that is your own will generally way outsell, you know, anybody else's promotion or anybody else's style, because there's a there's a there's a style transition there, mm. kind of a culture transition from, you know, this guy's culture and this guy's style to somebody else's. 
and you know some are a better match than others, and that's that's kind of part of it. Um, and so I tend to come up with my own things, um, and uh, and I think I think that's served me well, and it also it also forces me to um, to be really resourceful in terms of taking my customers to bigger and better places that they've never been before, as opposed to just doing what everybody else is doing. So like uh, just within the last month, we launched a jet propulsion program, and that was a, it's a very, from our point of view, it's very ambitious because we have a whole team managing people's pay-per-click campaigns. It's very labor-intensive, very service-oriented. But, you know, people have been asking for this for a very long time. Mm. And it was time for us to do it. And I finally had the right people. And, and the interesting thing about those people was they, had, they were all grown inside of Planet Perry. <laughs> Jeff Hughes was in my very first roundtable group, and he was in my very first bobsled run, and he kicked ass, and he went on to build this team of pay-per-click experts inside his company. Okay, and then there's Jeff, or Glenn Livingston, who's been having a coaching call with me for the last five years, and Glenn and Jeff were both in my first roundtable group, and they met there, and they built this relationship, and they ended up growing a company. And you know who else was in my first roundtable group was Ari Galper. Yeah, you mentioned him. <laughs> okay, and now, now, now look at what's happening over a long period of time. Over a long period of time is I'm growing a group of people and a culture and a whole microcosm, uh, an entire community. Okay, now just slamming people with affiliate promotions does not grow a community. Um, it, it actually tends to tear it apart. There's a cost to that. Um, and so, you know, Joe Polish, he's a, he's a guy that I learned a lot from early on. He talks about people strip mining their list where, you know, sell them whatever you can get them to buy. Well, you know, if there's a lot of buyer's remorse in that list, you, you, you killed it, hmm. you know. So you have to be very very careful of what you recommend. And I had a lot of people, they'd send me emails that are like, I never would have bought Amit's thing. Then I saw you were promoting him. like, well, I guess this must be real. And yeah, I bought it, and it's good. So, it's long, long answer to short question. Yeah. <laughs> You're good at that, Perry. <laughs> um, <laughs> it's the reason I, I ask is obviously you've been a bit of a benchmark um, in terms of my own mailing and, and keeping content high but I've faced the difficulty of wanting to create relationships with certain well-known people and one of the best ways to obviously do that is to sell copious amounts of their product so, yes without a doubt <laughs> yes so what I found interesting I think this is probably harks back to what you said initially about how important it was to set up a defined funnel to really reward affiliates well and get you know the high conversion and the high visitor value there because you've been able to uh, maintain and uh, I guess have affiliate relationships grow over time without necessarily needing to get any one big affiliate on board. Uh, you know, you're not doing big launches, so there's no time pressure there to get them all on board at a certain 
period of time and because I guess you focus on getting more from a, an individual customer there's no need to uh, have a heavy reliance on I guess super affiliates you can do just as well with an army of, of adequate affiliates and uh, therefore you don't feel the obligation to you know maintain these relationships by you know I promote you you promote me sort of pat on our back kind of thing. right because you know would that be correct um, yes, I've, I've, I've uh, very much resisted putting myself in a position where I'm obligated to promote somebody's thing. Um, because the paramount uh, asset that I have is my customer list. Nothing... Nothing that compromises my customer list is allowed. Okay, so like that's that's the basic premise, um, and so like th there's kind of a minimum standard of of okay, once in a while we can send out an email that is just pitch and no content, but not very often. And most emails are, you know, a little bit of pitch and a lot of content, and quite a few emails are all content and no pitch, um, because it's it's that emotional bank account thing that Stephen Covey talks about in Seven Habits of Highly Effective People, where everybody has an emotional bank account, and you're either making deposits or you're making withdrawals, and as soon as you make more withdrawals than deposit the relationship is bankrupt, you know, and, and so like when, when, when all this recession paranoia started, I just said, well, everybody's scared and everybody's nervous and everything's uncertain. So you know what I'm going to do? I'm just going to crank up the quality and quantity of good content that I send to my list. I'm going to ratchet that up another notch or two. Um, I am going to be the most trusted guy. Um, and that seems to be working. Uh, my numbers, for the most part, are just fine. There's a few areas where I'm seeing that it's harder to sell. But for the most part, everything's staying even. Uh, where I've, I'm hearing a lot of people complain that their numbers are way down. And I, th I think, again, in a, in a very... Um, uncertain atmosphere it's it's the most trusted guy that that people end up doing business with so that's kind of my Agreed. feeling about that Agreed, yes um, I've noticed my numbers are not really significantly down if anything they're up so I think that's probably, yeah. probably for anyone who's sort of teaching anything to do with uh, you know for lack of a better term business opportunities or ways to make money then um, yeah it's, a, it's actually a good time for us but Okay, so I think there's you know pretty clear message there, quality, but there's something, uh, and I guess I've found, well, I'd love to get in and, and pick, pick at what you do with your your funnel. Now, um, you know, you you've, you're obviously teaching something that's you know very much inspired by uh, direct marketers that's gone that have gone in the past, and they're very big about controlling the, the conversion points along each section of the sales funnel and and knowing those numbers, how uh, how important has it been? I think to you know to ramping up your business growth to really get tight control over 
uh, everything you do uh, at, at all points. You know, from I'm assuming the the definitive guide is your biggest sort of front end lead generator still. Yeah, that's the biggest front end. Yeah. Yeah. And the five day, you know, the Google five day course. Um, I'll tell you how I am about numbers and stuff. Um, You know, everything I do is shaped by the whole 80-20 thing, which great book called The 80-20 Principle by Richard Koch, I would say is probably the most influential business book I've ever read. And... Uh, what that book's all about is there's a there's a small number of things that you need to watch very closely, and then there's a very large number of things that you don't really need to pay a lot of attention to at all. Now, like there are certain key points in the sales funnel that we pay a lot of attention to, like the Google ads, the landing pages, the sales pages, and the upsells and the definitive guide. That's all, you know, we've tweaked that and played with it and to the, to the max, okay? Uh, now, what I don't do, some people would, but I don't, is like I don't have some big spreadsheet that says, okay, here's the conversion rate from day 41 of the autoresponder, and here's the conversion rate from day 56, and, and all. I don't really, I couldn't tell you all that. Um, Good, that's reassuring. How, <laughs> oh yeah, I mean, look, uh, and and honestly, you know, there's there's this kind of mantra out there that you measure and track everything. If you get inside of real businesses and you actually try to do that, you will find that there's always a whole bunch of dots that you cannot connect. You can only make approximations. Uh, it turns out there was actually five different things that influenced that person to make us purchase. And you could only measure one of them at any one time. And the other four played a part. You just can't measure it. And you kind of have to be okay. It's like some sort of marketer's version of the Heisenberg uncertainty principle. <laughs> okay. What have you found to be the number one thing, then, uh, to make this really practical for the listeners? Well, so, well, so you, you, know, you could have hundreds of pages on your website, but opt-in page sales page, upsell, cross-sell, those are what you pay attention to. Okay? Simple as that. Um, like, how many things is that? Like four or something? Okay. Not very many. Now, the other thing that I do that most people do not do is I, I um, religiously segment my list which is to say that every time I do something to my list, I measure what happens, and that goes into some group. Okay, so like I, I use Infusion uh, software, and, to, and they, they get all these, I can create a tag for any group that I want, and so like I can make, I can create a group from people who clicked on a link, or I can create a group from people who signed up for a teleseminar, or people who bought a product, or or any number of things. And so I make it a habit to do that. So these groups are constantly being created. And then, um, and so two things are going on. It's first of all, when people buy something or, they, or they, they do some major event, they sign up for something on the website, 
they get plugged into an autoresponder sequence and the autoresponder just goes about and it does its job. And then the other thing is, um, is that like when I send out email blasts, I only send them to people who would be interested in whatever I'm doing that day. Okay, so I, so I write an email, I go, okay, this email is for business-to-business marketers. So which ones of these lists are business-to-business people? This one, this one, this one, this one, this one, and this one. So I'm going to send it to those people. And not only that, I'm only going to send it to people whose contact record or information has somehow or another been updated in the last year. So if they've never been added to a new group or anything like that, it looks like they're not even paying attention or their email is going to a black hole. After a while, they stop, mostly stop getting emails from me, and it happens automatically. And so I'm always focusing on the people that are paying attention and who are interested, and I'm not bothering everybody else. And so some people literally get hear from me once every two months, and other people hear from me once or twice a day. And, and, and they got there naturally. The amount of email they get from me is dependent on how interested they actually are. And so that's a really huge thing for having a high level of readership is, I'm not annoying people more than I should. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's uh, you know, interesting. Uh, Rich, you're friends with Rich Sheffern as well. And mm-hmm. I was listening to a call between him and the, uh, I don't know if it's the owner or the, the managing director of Infusionsoft. And, you know, they were commenting, uh, Rich was noting how he's able to maintain sort of top, stop, top status in a lot of affiliate uh, competitions. And I guess he's a bit different from you in the sense that he does always try and promote his buddies, you know, the, you know, whatever, Frank Kern, Jeff Walker, Michael Same, et cetera, whoever's doing mm-hmm. a launch stomper net, but he can maintain the integrity of his list by doing the exact same thing you're talking about. So he looks at, uh, you know, whoever opened or clicked uh, certain types of emails, he'll only send that type of promotion to them and he can maintain mm-hmm. yeah, the integrity he has with the list that way. And I've only just started doing that myself. I'm, I'm an Aweber user still, so we have less functionality along those lines, but yeah, I can see the value in it. But Perry, I think I've, I've taken you taken enough time, enough of your time. But I have one more question. Uh, obviously, uh, a lot of my readers and listeners are bloggers, and that's part of uh, you know the area that I train in. And I've noticed lately that you are getting more prolific with your blogging, um, which is mm-hmm. which is good to see. And yeah. obviously, you've been a uh, an email newsletter writer for a long time. But and I'm sure you experience this. That, you know, the newsletters sort of disappear sometimes into the archives, and you don't have an online repository or, or something like that. They're in your you know, your sequence. How have you found now? Uh, you know, blogging and how is it fitting into your your, your business? Well, um, I, you know, I kind of like to joke about you know people who are blogging for twelve cents an hour. Um, <laughs> And, like, there's a lot of that that goes on. Um, I I really believe that the core of any online marketing business, at least if it's personality-driven or uh, driven by a a sustained interest in a topic, the the core is email. And that your number one job is to build an email list, and I think that's true 
regardless of what the doomsayers have to say about email, because email is not going away. Email is the center of civilization. I was at church yesterday, and this guy is talking to me, and he's like, can we have breakfast uh, sometime this week? And I said, send me an email. Now, why did I do that? Because I didn't have my calendar with me. I don't do the Crackberry thing. My calendar is on my computer. My computer is email. And that's how, that, like, that's how people make it into my calendar. Okay? Well, I think that happens a lot. Okay? Email is the center of civilization. So, um, so I, I will continue to, to be an email guy. Now, what blogging has done is it's given a place uh, for people to, to respond without me being obligated to respond back to them. Okay? But I can still read what they said, and there can still be a conversation there. Um, and that is really valuable. And I found myself quite fascinated by it. I always read the, the, the comments that people post on my blog. Uh, I don't respond to much of it. I don't usually need to, but it's really interesting to see uh, where things go. Had a had a great um, thread uh, this last week about toxic people and toxic customers, which it went in all kinds of interesting directions in the comments, not just like customer relationships, but even like male-female relationships and family relationships. And, and I mean, it like, you, you start pushing the right buttons with people and they just go and they don't stop, you know? <laughs> yes. and, and I think that's absolutely fascinating. And I definitely, you know, if I can have uh, people coming back to my website, checking the blog or getting those email updates from every time there's a blog comment or whatever, that just heightens the level of, of activity. And there's that, you know, basically you're catering to 1% of the people, but it's the 1% that are paying the most attention. And so, I mean, that's a way of, of building a rabid audience and, and a really responsive customer list. And so, um, you know, it's, it's a great feedback tool, especially when you get into controversial or highly emotional topics. So, you know, I love that aspect of it. Um, I, I just think it, it has its place. I think that, I think that social media and Web 2.0 is secondary to the core direct marketing basics. I do not think it's a replacement. Uh, I had a really, really interesting conversation with Ed Dale last week, who turns out he had just pulled the plug on a Facebook group with 5,000 members. And he's like, well, I'm sorry, everybody, but this just was not proving to be worth my time. And I'm like, not surprised, you know. It's not like an email list. Yeah, so I, I I read his um, explanation for his justification for doing that, where he considered it uh, he wasn't building a natural Facebook profile the way most people were. He was using a right. direct marketer, so he wasn't getting the kind of response and the the type of natural interaction that you should get if you're using Facebook as it's intended. So yeah, it's right. interesting. Very interesting. Yeah, and I, I just think, you know, some venues are naturally more money-driven and more commercial value than other venues. And I think 
I think that Facebook is where people go to goof off, and I think a Google search is where people go when they need something serious. And one does not detract from the other, you know. Um, and I think there's a great place for Facebook advertising too. It's a different set of rules, and and you can listen to the conversation we have if you go to Internet Marketing thisweek.com I think it is um, you know you can you can listen to that podcast and I think we, we had a really trippy conversation but <laughs> but but uh, but but yeah it's it, um, I, I think it's really important not to put the cart before the horse your job is to build a list um, that is numero uno and uh, and then if you if you nurture that list, um, then, you know, email, I think email is the most intimate communication medium there is other than being alone with somebody in person. I think it's even more intimate than the phone, uh, at least potentially, uh, for at least for some people. Reason why... Um, I've had conversations via email, many conversations with via email that I could have never had in person because they were too emotionally charged. Like if um, if you were if if you needed to talk about like a really painful memory or something like that, um, even if you were in the comfort and privacy of a therapist's office. Uh, a lot of us wouldn't evil, even be able to talk, mm. right? Mm. But you 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 can type an email, you know. Um, and and there there's also a certain amount of control you have of what you say. And so I'm not I'm not saying this is for everybody, but for people who like to write, email e- email is like the inner sanctum and you, you can really communicate with people very effectively via email. So, um, yeah, I'm an email guy. Yeah, no, fair enough. I guess, I guess I probably drove that point home a long time ago. <laughs> you did. It's interesting cause, uh, my, my blog is the second, uh, best lead source for my email list. So, um, you know, mm. obviously the front end mechanism for me, it's been fantastic and that's only one benefit of course. So, but that's, a, right. that's, a, that's a different discussion. So, okay, Perry, uh, thank you for taking the time to do this call. Uh, now, this is, I guess, a simple question to ask. Uh, where is the best place? Uh, <laughs> we've mentioned the definitive guide to Google AdWords enough in your, your five-day e-course. Is that the best place you direct people to still for uh, getting into Perry's world? Um, certainly, yeah. If you, if you want the basic uh, introductory level, you know, go to perrymarshall.com and sign up for the five-day course, which is, you know, you know, you'll see it right there. And um, if if you want to go deeper, I, what I would suggest is trying the Renaissance Club, and uh, that's a monthly newsletter that gets mailed out via snail mail, actually. Um, and you know, I I also believe in print newsletters that you can curl up on the couch and like read your newsletter. I think that's a more relaxing place to learn. Than sitting in front of your computer where there's nine million distractions. So we do post those online, and and subscribers get links to them, and and we they they can comment uh, in a password protected area and all that kind of stuff. But 
hey, I, I like good old-fashioned snail mail, too. You've been writing those for a long time, haven't you? Because I was a, a member of that about three years ago, I think. So, I've been writing that newsletter for seven years. Oh, my gosh. And, and you know what? Um, you know, probably the first couple of years of that newsletter was like, you know, nothing to get really, you know, on fire about. I think they were good newsletters. I, I don't know that they were fabulous. But, you know, I found a groove. And I just kept writing it, I kept writing it, and it got better and better and better. And, um, and you know, that's another tip for anybody out there who is some kind of information marketer uh, of any kind, uh, is that, you know, if you just stay in that writing groove and you keep polishing it, it starts to get really good. And people start to like it, and they start to look forward to it. Like, I know for... Uh, it didn't take me very long before, like it would get to a certain type of month and i go, you know, I think it's time for Dan Kennedy's newsletter to show up. I'm looking forward to it. And sure enough, you know, a day or two later it would, it would come. And, uh, you know, that kind of that predictable regular dose of information, I mean, that's the best way for people to learn anything. It just, it just keeps coming, it keeps coming, it keeps coming and you add a little bit, you add another layer and another layer. And that's, in my opinion, that's how smart marketers are born. That's how smart people are born, I think, in general. So. Yeah, smart people, right? You don't, you don't learn everything all at once. You learn it in measured doses, whatever, you know, if you're playing the guitar or, or anything. Yeah. So. And it's, it just shows how important it is to be prolific as a, a marketer as well. I mean, I, I've been writing my blog for years. And uh, it's like every single week something has gone out for four years straight, regardless of where I was in the world or what I've been doing or how I felt. And obviously you've been writing a newsletter every month for seven years. You've been writing your email uh, newsletter for, uh, just, I'm assuming, just as long, if not longer. Yeah. And you've been writing right. a lot of content to that. Uh, you know, I, I've got newsletter, blog posts, so anyone who seems to be anybody in this area, especially if it's information based on uh, expertise, is a prolific content producer. It's just like a major mm -hmm. requirement. So. And, and, you know, even really crude things, um, most, uh, most people don't know most of Charles Dickens' novels were originally written as monthly installments in, as magazine articles, okay, like, okay, here's a chapter, and it's in the magazine, and then you get the next chapter next month, and Dickens had his magazine deadline, and he had to pr submit like 1,500 words, you know, by the end of the month, come heck or high water, he had to do it, and that's how most of Dickens' novels actually got written, is I got to write 1,500 words this month. Exactly. Hmm. So, I mean, like, dude, there's the formula for being a successful writer. It worked for Dickens, <laughs> you know. Yeah. And there's like, or you know, people say write every day. You know, somehow or another, I do write every day. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> and and you know, it. if you. Uh, if, if you if you want to write, if you want to have an audience, if you want to have a following, then write every day and, and just go forward and don't look back. 
you know, the first issue of the Perry Marshall Marketing Letter, I think, went out to 19 people. That's like a pretty small number of people, considering half of them probably didn't even read it. (laughs) Right? But it's like, I am going to write this newsletter, and this is going to become a great newsletter. So, starts today. And two years from now, it'll be two years from now, whether I wrote every day or not. So I might as well just write every day, and two years from now, I will be a great writer. And, and I don't care what happens with video or streaming this or streaming that or audio or whatever. The Internet will always be, the core will be the written word. Unless people stop reading. No, they won't. Yeah. No, they, I, I don't. No, it won't happen. I, I, I just, I can't see it. Unless it's um, some kind of direct connection to your brain with a socket or something like that. So. Yeah, yeah. So, so anyway. All right, good. good this was fun. Good note to end on, Perry. Thanks for uh, taking the time to do this. And uh, I, I don't need to say this, but good luck with the continued, continued growth of your business. I'm sure. Okay, you're... well, good luck to you. Uh, again, I, I enjoy your blog, and, uh, you know, uh, the, the, the uh, conspiracy of common sense will hopefully prevail, you know? So, uh, good to talk to you. You too. Thank you. Have a great one.